0: what's up friends before we hop into the awesome show we've got for you got to tell you about a new partner alert that we've got going on with our friends over at solace med solace meds has four convenient locations one in fort collins one off Broadway, one just blocks away from us right here at the DNVR bar on East Colfax and of course one in Wheat Ridge as well and guys for the month of June with the heat heating up, they've got some smoking hot deals, they're offering 15% off all Gold Shelf Concentrates 20% off Wana Tinctures and Tarts, 20% off Mountain Select Rosin and Cartridges 20% off Blues Brothers Joint Packs they've got so many deals going on including 20% off all Dixie products, I know so many of us at DNVR are big fans of that and if you use the magical code dnvr20 you'll get 20% off all of that plus those deals and at the wheat ridge location if you use that code you'll get 20% off and a free solace bar or king cone so make sure to check them out over at solacemeds.com or in person and use that code dnvr20 all right mace let's hop into the show Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this Monday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. We are just coming in from Broncos practice, which we both got to see the entirety of, but before we hop into everything we learned from today's practice, gotta tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, because over at MSU Denver Online, they're the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to -to face-to-face courses, which is unheard of at other universities, but MSU delivers. They have great gen eds taught by real people, great completion options, full programs and virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduation they're the preeminent online university in the rocky mountain region so make sure to check them out over at msu denver online my boy mace what's shaking my friend
1: hey you know what it's monday we're at practice it's a beautiful warm late spring early summer day here in the mile high city broncos are at work on the field All seems right with the world today.
0: It does. It does. And like you said, things are heating up specifically with the quarterback position. Before we jump into everything with that, Mace, i got to tell everyone tuning in live right now, please go to YouTube, tune in there that we have a better picture quality, better stream. Hit us with a like, a subscribe when you do. It really, really helps us out. And of course, hop in the comment section like our friend Higher Learning has. He says, hey, Broncos country. And I say, hey to you, Higher Learnings. And Mace, I say, Who was smoking hot today on the field? Were there any quarterbacks smoking hot today? Wouldn't say either
1: of them was smoking hot today. Okay. uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. We'll get into that. Bridgewater had the better of things today, clearly, I think. uh, But he also had a bad throw. There was that interception that he threw. He was looking for Deontay Spencer uh, downfield heading heading, uh, toward, toward the corner and put too much on it, too far. Jamar Johnson got the pick. Got the pick. So not, not the best not the best day for either quarterback, but you would say Teddy Two Gloves probably got the better of it if you had to say one or the other two.
0: Not even probably, Mace. If, if we were judging each, each and every day so far, we've seen three full practices. This thing would be over. If we were judging just on these three, Teddy Bridgewater has been the better quarterback. Now, the first week... Pretty close, but I would have given the edge to Teddy. Last week, it was very clear that Teddy was a better quarterback, and I feel the exact same way about yeah. this week. Teddy was the better quarterback. Now, like you said, was Teddy a perfect quarterback? Was he Aaron Rodgers out there, Peyton? No, Not he, close. He, he wasn't perfect, <laughs> but today he was light years uh, mm-hmm. ahead of Drew Locke, and it was almost a similar story, different day from what we've seen from Teddy and Drew these past two weeks. Mace, From what I saw from, from Drew today, It was much more of the exact same from what we've seen these past couple of weeks, Uh, maybe through one or two balls past 10 yards. Otherwise it was check down, check down, Mm -hmm. check down. Now, Credit to him, it does seem like he's going through his reads better, but it seems like every read he's a little too hesitant to throw the ball until it's the wide-open check down, you know, three yards downfield. I do like the Drew is looking through his reads more, but it seems like every single time it ends in just a, a check down for three yards. Yeah,
1: I think hesitant is the apt word because when you see him trying to get to the second, third, read, and beyond, he, it, you can almost kind of see him thinking. Right, and you can hear kind of the gears kind of meshing uh, in his head all, almost as he's trying to kind of get through things. He's having to think, and he's not just kind of relaxed and out there just looking, looking and throwing. And when you when I look at his mistakes today, like the he had two interceptions. One of them, the ball slipped out of his hands. It was you know just if it had been in a game. NFL films would have had a clip for football follies for the next 10 years because it just, he went back to throw, whoop, fell out of it. It fell out of his hand, and Malik Reed was right there, Johnny, on the spot with the
0: interception. And Mace, really yeah, quick on team. that one, I, I called it a fluke play, just yeah. because of how bizarre it was, but it was, I mean, he drops back, Malik Reed, great pressure on the outside, this has nothing to do with Drew, though, it didn't affect him at all, right. he drops back, I don't know if it was like he cocked his arm, or decided to hold back, but then the ball went backward right into Malik Reed's arms. It was kind
1: of that hesitancy, it was like yeah. the same thing that we saw later on, it was like he was kind of thinking and you, you saw him sometimes kind of looks like it looked like he kind of tapped the ball a little bit like you could yeah. see him kind of hesitating making up his mind do I go here or do I not and then you had the interception seven on seven right after that where he's looking right for Eric Saubert and he just kind of takes that time a little bit and he tries to jam it into a tight window and because and because he's kind of locked in on Saubert Justin Simmons did, look, he did what a a pro bowl All pro safety should do. He read it, got one bobble, brought it in, took it to the house. But everything for Drew, the struggles right now, it comes down to hesitation. If he's just like going first, like first read or second read, he's having some moments. Like you can see like one pass, I think to Andrew Beck, it was down. It was, uh, it was right at the hash marks. So just, just inside of the seam to the left. And he gets it past two defenders, and it's bullets, rope. It's exactly what you want to see, and so you still see so those throws where he shows off the arm talent, and you can and you can see that, and that's not something that Teddy has. But you're also seeing too many times where he just looks like he's thinking. Rather than reacting.
0: Yeah, it, it was a tough start for Drew. I believe that Malik Reed interception that f- slipped out of his hand was the first throw during seven on seven or yeah. d- during eleven on eleven full team because they were doing a lot of running. And then, like everyone, you said, it
1: seemed like everyone groaned in the media watching up top when we saw that right everyone's like oh no
0: and you even saw Drew I mean I think he put his hands on his head like oh my gosh that did not just happen to start this off because he knows what type of competition he's in and then the very next period seven on seven he throws that pick to Justin a bad decision a great play by Justin Simmons right there. There's no doubt about that. Drew seemed to calm down as practice went on. When, when I mean calm mm. down, I'm talking about all of those checkdowns. He did, however, uh, middle of practice, have what should have been an interception. Uh, Jamar Johnson got both hands on it. Drew tried to rely on his arm too much and yeah. zip a pass into the middle of the field. There were defenders left and right. And also zipping the pass wasn't what he needed. Mace, he needed the right. touch on that pass to get it over Jamar because that, the safety was was inside kind of playing linebacker depth uh, and didn't get it over. Jamar had two hands, should have been an interception. To, to Drew's credit, he ended practice on a better note. Now, it was just during seven-on-sevens. Uh, during team, I didn't see him take any shots down the field that were successful. But during seven-on-sevens, the very last period, he did bounce back, had some nice completions deep as well
1: yeah and that was his best period toward the end seven seven on seven now they did something interesting both in in the last team period uh, and, and in seven on seven that last team period if you notice it drew went out there and he was behind the backup offensive line right for that even though he was up first in that period backup line. it's just part of how they're kind of uh, shuffling things around but in in the team periods like you said drew wasn't finding much deep Whereas Bridgewater was making some deep connections. He didn't, now, think about this. He didn't have no offense. No offense had his wisdom teeth pulled last week and was not out there. Vic kind of implied that, hey, I, you know, I had my wisdom teeth pulled and I was back a couple of days later. But. Yeah,
0: Vic jokingly called him yes. soft. Yes. He he, he he actually said Vic had his wisdom teeth when they were pulled many years ago. Yeah. He had them pulled and he was playing golf a couple of hours but later. Play, but,
1: but, even a practice for football <laughs> is different than golf. I can see how you could golf, at least recreationally. I don't think that even a practice is something you'd want to do after having your wisdom teeth. After
0: out. my wisdom teeth, yeah. I was but done was, for like two weeks. Yeah. So I don't blame Noah. But he yeah, was there. His, uh, wisdom team experience is
1: different. Yes, yeah. it's very true. <laughs> <Did> it <really laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. so Vic
0: just got it easy.
1: See, I didn't have all four of mine at once. Mm, I had that sounds pull, miserable. I had a couple at once, and then I had another pulled out. And oh, that I had, not I, I had fun. them pulled out on an as-needed basis. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, not, not the best decision. I should have just had it all, all in one, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. That was the choice I made. But no, no offense, and no offense has been one of two security blankets for Teddy Bridgewater out there. The other, of course, being Jerry Judy. And it was Jerry Judy who had who was on the end of probably Bridgewater's best pass of the day, downfield, outside, outside the numbers, left side for about 25 yards, placed it well. And again, with Bridgewater, although he had the pick, what you're talking about in general is he's placing it well, which yeah. is what you expect.
0: He's really placing it well. And, and Teddy, he had one bad play, which was an interception. He was looking deep threw it into double coverage. It was a bad decision. It was an underthrown pass. It could have been completed, but it would have would have had to take in a perfect throw. You shouldn't do that. Bad decision, Teddy. Outside of that, though, Mace, I was very, very, very impressed with Teddy, specifically with his chemistry with Jerry Judy, Mace. I think it's very clear. If Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback for this team, Jerry Judy is going to eat. And it makes sense. It's not just because, you know, Cortland Sutton's not out there. It's because... It's because... Teddy's an anticipatory thrower. He says, I'm going to throw to a spot that I know is going to be open. And Jerry Judy, we know he's going to be open. It's just about throwing it when he's open and not waiting too long. And we saw that sometimes last year Mm -hmm. where the ball was being thrown too late when when, when Jerry had separation. Teddy's doing that perfectly. He's throwing it before Teddy's open, and then once the ball gets there, he's open. And we saw so many. I mean, I had at least three deep completions, one for a touchdown, one on the right sideline, where credit to Jerry, he went up, got it in some tight coverage, fell down hard. I mean, you could feel the ground shake with how hard Jerry Judy felt, and he held on to the ball, and there was another one for He was for ecstatic 25 about yards, that, too. As he should that, have that been.
1: Jerry was, because he spiked the ball. A couple of teammates came up. There, were, there was that regular season intensity yep. from Jerry Judy when he caught that pass in tight And, and no right drops today line. from Jerry in team in seven-on-seven. That's two practices that we've seen yep. uh, of the three where he hasn't dropped a pass. He had a drop in that first practice a couple of weeks back that we saw, but— Yeah, Judy, and it's funny, Vic Fangio wanted to downplay the Bridgewater-Judy chemistry because you asked him about it in the post-practice Zoom, and he kind of said, oh, it's something that you're developing even over years, and you're getting better chemistry. But it's one of those things, Zach, where, in your words, open your eyes. I think (laughs) if you have eyes and they're working, you can see that Teddy and Jerry Judy... Are are in lockstep right now? Ah, lockstep. Maybe
0: maybe we should say they're 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 in Bridgewater step or something. Maybe they're in Teddy step. Maybe
1: they've got the bridge that they've they've. They've built the bridge that connects the two of them together mentally. They have that symbiosis.
0: It does appear like that, yeah. and Mace, that's a great thing for Teddy to have. Obviously, it's yeah. great for Jerry to have, but that's a great thing for for Teddy to have, or for, for Teddy to have, because if he's able to, to build that chemistry, then that's just going to help him earn this job, and again, Teddy had one bad mistake, but outside of that, Mace, it was the same story, just a different week where Drew wasn't throwing deep. Teddy was throwing deep. Was Teddy connecting on everything deep? No, he had the energy interception deep, but he was connecting on a very good rate of passes deep, and last week we said, okay, well, one thing you have to realize, there's no pressure in these guys' face. It's only seven on seven. Can't say that this week. Now, they're never going to be hit during practice, so you're never going to see that type of pressure. And Vaughn Miller was holding back today. Oh, yeah. Like, he was going against Cameron
1: Fleming because Bobby Massey was out, and there were a couple of times where I Vaughn had a beat on the quarterback, and he gave himself the stop sign.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, the, He
1: could have wrecked things today if he wanted to.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's what Vaughn does, and that's <laughs> what Vaughn was doing last year before he got hurt. Yeah. But when the pressure was there, uh, what, what I heard some people saying last week was wait till the pressure gets to Teddy and then see how quick of decisions he's making and, and how many check- checkdowns he's taken." That was not the case today. Again, maybe it changes week one when, when he's able to be hit, but today Teddy just looks very calm back there. And he's not rushing anything.
1: I mean, he is who he is. He, he's, he's like you said, steady Teddy. He's, it's got a better connotation than average Teddy, and because <laughs> he's an average quarterback. Now I know Chris Sims had the ranking. You saw Chris Sims when he had him like 32 and Drew Locke, 33. Yeah. Teddy is better than the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL. He was better than the 32nd best quarterback last year. Yeah. In the NFL, he isn't. He is an average middle range starter.
0: What's funny is he was better than Sam Darnold and Carolina decided to move on from Teddy for Sam Darnold that's, because of that potential, uh, that ceiling word. That's that what they went for, seduct- but it's duck it,
1: that is so seductive. It is. The but, ceiling potential cuz it, it's seductive with Drew Lock too because of course. when you see him w- wing it past a couple of linebackers like he did to Beck late in practice, that's where you say wow, that's that's an A level throw. Yeah. Want to see more of that. But with Drew Locke, I know we love to talk about the ceiling, and I know that people who, who are the most vociferous defenders of Drew Locke justifiably talk about the ceiling, but you can't talk about the ceiling without talking about the floor. And we, and just as we saw the ceiling on a couple of plays, we saw him scrape the ceiling, we also saw him scrape the bottom because yeah. he had two picks, and like you mentioned, if, if Johnson makes the interception, which would have been – which would have been his second of the day because he had the one-off Teddy, then it's three picks. One a fluke out of his hands, but the other two wouldn't have been flukes.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Mace, that's why I'm saying after today, if we were calling this after today, it would be very easy. That it would be Teddy Bridgewater. It's a good thing for Drew with the job. Yes, yes, it it is. And we do, I do understand that it's still very, very early in the process, Mace, but everything has pointed to that this thing is clearly favoring Teddy Bridgewater. And he's the new guy here, but he's the veteran. So some Mm -hmm. people may say, well, he should be winning this. Well, do remember, though, this is Drew's second year in the offense. This is what he needed, right? The continuity was to not have to start from so far behind. He's not having to start from behind. uh, And he's. Struggling, at least compared to Teddy. Now, the thing with Drew, though, is this.
1: It doesn't look natural right now, him kind of trying to go through his progressions. And I think that's that's a concern. Can he get to a point where he improves at this and it does become natural? And that that's going to be the determining factor, I think, in whether he can be the starter or not. Yeah. Because if it reaches a point where he, he's seen enough, he's done enough, in terms of what he's absorbed from Peyton Manning, what he's absorbed from his film study this off season, and he gets past the point where he's thinking about it and instead instead has improved his mental process to where he's reacting in the way in a way that where he's thinking so quickly that it's just a reaction. If he can do that and do that in training camp in the preseason, he will probably win the job. The yeah. other thing, like you mentioned is, He's got to learn when to throw the fastball and when th- and when to throw the changeup because yep. like you mentioned that interception that that near interception by Jamar Johnson that doesn't happen if he throws the changeup instead. He right. tries to throw the fastball, and that's not what that mo- that's not the pitch that that moment called for.
0: Right, and and, and I know last week uh, we had some people saying, well, there's some other media members that are saying, you know, Drew's been better. Well, those media members even today uh, were saying, even publicly on Twitter, I saw that uh, Teddy had the better day. So it's not yeah. just. Uh, you know, we're high on Teddy. No, he he had the better day. And one of the conversations, speaking of, of other media, that I had with other media today was, it seems like Drew is trying to play Teddy's type, type of ball, like just mm-hmm. check downs, be extra, extra safe with it. If anyone's going to win that mace, Teddy's going to be the best version of Teddy. Drew does not need to be Teddy. Drew needs to be safer with the ball and go through his reads, but he still needs to be taking those chances downfield only saw two times at the, end of the, at, the, at the end of the practice him do that in seven-on-sevens. He needs to be Drew, just a better Drew. He doesn't need to be better by being Teddy because Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the best version of Teddy Bridgewater. Drew's not going to be able to out-Teddy Teddy at being Teddy.
1: But the thing is, though, if Drew is kind of himself rather than trying to be the more controlled quarterback, is that going to be a, su- a successful equation for him? I mean, maybe he gets his completion percentage up, but his yards per attempt goes down, and uh, you know, maybe. And what if his touchdown interception ratio playing that style is just okay? Like it's, it's a, it's really interesting to think on Drew because what you you he can't be who he was last year, right? He's got to be a he, better version. He's got to be a bet. He's got to be a more accurate and he, a version of that quarterback. He's got to make better decisions. He he can't he can't pass up the. The, the dime to try to take the long shot at the quarter. You're,
0: you're absolutely right. But, Mace, what we're seeing so far is we're not seeing any of Drew's good game that we saw last year, the flashes where he's throwing the strikes for the big, big gains, taking those chances down the field. All we're seeing is the mistakes – Short. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any of the reward of yeah. Drew. That's that's why he needs to still be Drew, just a, a more refined and older version of Drew. And something else. Drew is is right now. He's throwing 95 mile an hour fastballs, and mm-hmm. that's all he's got in the arsenal. Teddy, he has the 85 mile per hour fastball that absolutely can be hit, aka picked off. And but he's also got the 79 mile per hour changeup. He's not gonna blow you away with his heat, but he his fastballs mm-hmm. are good enough. And he also has some changeup ability. Right now, we're only seeing one pitch from Drew. If he develops a changeup, it's tougher to hit a 79 mile an hour changeup when you're throwing 95 like Drew can than it is from 85 to 79. So, again, it comes back to potential. Drew has the ceiling that you want. It's it's like we talk about you combine these two and and you give Drew the 95 mile per hour fastball, pair him with that 79 uh, mile per hour changeup, and boom, now we're talking. But right now Drew's got one pitch where Teddy has two that aren't that different.
1: And the other thing is also if Bridgewater does end up winning the job, does he have any any distance left to to reach a ceiling? Like is what we saw last year in Carolina the ceiling or that type of season he had in New Orleans where he was 9-2 on touchdowns and interceptions in uh in the five games that he started?
0: 5 and 0 as a starter, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you play the QB wins thing that's <laughs> You know what, if if he, has more, if he has four touchdowns for every one pick or even slightly better than that like he did in New Orleans, I'm getting, the QB wins are going to come naturally as a result of that. But what if Teddy Bridgewater, may, yeah, he doesn't have the arm talent, but what if we're, we're looking at somebody who in a 17-game schedule can throw 20 touchdowns and five
0: picks? That would be it. Can I mean, you, the, can you
1: win with the, this team? This team absolutely,
0: absolutely. And mace what we saw today, which we're going to get into in just a second, yeah. is this team. While we've talked so much about the quarterbacks and the, and the weapons that they have on offense, the past two weeks because they've only been doing throwing drills. Today we got to see the running game mm-hmm. and let's let's get into that more of what we saw beyond the quarterbacks but first guys got to tell you about our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are such a great duo with, with the way they handle mortgages because they look beyond just the mortgage and one interest rate. Michael Chevalier is a certified financial planner so when he looks at your mortgage he looks at more than just your mortgage. He looks at your entire financial picture and order order to build a portfolio for you and decide the best way to go and that's what you need because you're not just talking about one number you're talking about your entire finances and you can give them a call directly call virginia right now it's 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and you'll also enter to win a free dnvr shirt or hat of your choice when you do and you get set up with a free consultation with our friends over at chevalier mortgage when you go to dnvrmortgage.com free consultation you can't beat getting a certified financial planner to put together your mortgage you can't beat you can't beat our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage so make sure to give them a call at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com Michael Chevalier NMLS 1931006 Virginia Chevalier NMLS 1910631
1: seeing some frustration comments over the quarterback scenario uh, in the YouTube comments hey i i get the frustration i it's like, like someone said, it's been five years. It's been a long five years. But if you want to make yourself feel a little better in the short term, why not have a Breckenridge Brew, the official yeah. beer of DNVR? And uh, it's not just Breckenridge Brews anymore. It's the Good Company Hard Seltzers, which, of course, we've got right here, the DNVR bar. And we love our Breck beers and seltzers, but what we love even more this summer is the fact that Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association the tragic fires in Colorado last year were absolutely devastating for so many. And this is one of the many reasons that Breck will be donating 1% of all of their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you're donating 1% to the great outdoors. They're gonna, we're going to be hosting events at the DMVR bar to promote this collaboration. Come on down, drink a Breck brew or a seltzer, and come away with some awesome swag from our friends at Breck Brew you can also enter to win a $30,000 Escape Pod trailer if you head to their website and enter to win just go to breckbrew.com/ingoodco that's breckbrew.com/ingoodco for more details on winning the $30,000 Escape Pod trailer good luck be sure to tag us and our friends at Breck Brew when you submit your entry to win if you're in the Denver area, don't forget about the farmhouse, the restaurant down in Littleton. Use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. When you phone it in, call 303-803-1380-1380. From noon to 8 p.m., they'll bring your order right out to your car. And if you want some Breck brews or seltzers from there, they'll take care of you down at the farmhouse. It's right off Santa Fe in Littleton. And they're open for dining as well. And it's a great place, great bar food as well if you're down in Littleton. So check that out. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BNBR.
0: Man, Mace, I was here for the Avs game last night. What a disappointing game. We got ourselves a series, but... The member brews were flowing despite the disappointing 5-1 outcome. And that's so just, you're saying
1: there were a lot of tears in people's beers last night?
0: Uh, there, there certainly mm-hmm. were, and there were a lot of beers being drank with uh, with that result last night. It's a three-game series, though. Uh, hey, it is, and every, every home team has won. The Avs have two more home games, so mm-hmm. hopefully that stays in their corner. But member beer is just one of the advantages you get of being a member here and when you're here what a member beer is is it's a 22 ounce beer for the price of a 16 ounce beer and you get that anytime you get a beer down at the DNVR bar just tell your bartender uh, that uh, you're a member they'll give you the DNVR beer you'll get the 22 ounces you'll have a jolly good time over at the DNVR bar and that's just one of the perks of being a member with us of course you get to read all of our content and I'm not not just talking Broncos OTA coverage but you get Nuggets playoffs, Avs playoffs, Rock. Hockey's, whatever's going on in their season. Colorado XOs, Ruffs, Buffs, Rams. I combined them into Ruffs right there. You get it all over at thednvr.com. You also get to support us. You also get a free shirt with an annual membership. And, boy, they're the best shirts. We're sitting right above the uh, merchandise right here, and it is so awesome. I checked them all out. We just got three new shirts in, and they are all so comfy and so cool so make sure to check us out over at ddnvr.com become a member with us and when you do jump into the comment section which we're going to get into right after i get mace's take of what else happened at practice mace first time we saw 11 on 11 we get to talk more than just about quarterbacks even though that's the story
1: yeah and it's interesting of course you have injuries absences etc on both lines you have Shelby Harris, of course, is coming off of a procedure that he had last month. We didn't see him out, him out there. A lot of Deshaun Williams, by the way, who I thought had a pretty solid day getting some penetration.
0: And don't worry, none of those guys need an ambulance. That That's just no, no, uh, no, you no, know just, East Colfax yeah, for you.
1: Just, just hope everything's okay out there on East Colfax. But offensive line, really interesting, because Garrett Bowles still absent. Uh, personal family matter that he's attending to. Bobby Massey uh, was in the building today, not practicing. He's a little banged up. So, Calvin Anderson, also, at practice, no helmet. He was off on the side field working out, so he's got a little, little injury. So you look at the tackles today. Injury and
0: bugs sweeping uh, yeah. across the Broncos.
1: Yeah, you see Quinn Bailey at left tackle and Cameron Fleming at right tackle. Uh,
0: Interesting.
1: Could have been better. And again, no, no full pads, no full contact, only so much you can take. But like I mentioned earlier, Von Miller... When he was out there in pass rush, just was having his way. As he was should. holding back. He was mostly going against Fleming. Um Malik Reed was in position to get that pass that went whoop out of Drew Locke's hand because he whipped past Queen Quinn Bailey. But again, look who they're working with working against. That's not what's going to look like in the regular season, at least on the left side. Cameron Fleming, I'd like to see a little more of on the right side, but Personally, I think if Fleming and Massey have an even competition, Massey is the one who's going to end up winning. Interior offensive line looks solid. It was as uh, it should be. Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow left to right. And Dalton Reisner with some very kind words to say today about Lloyd Cushenberry.
0: Yes, he certainly did. He really likes what he's seen from the center right now. And we know the Broncos want Lloyd Cushenberry. To be their starting center, Vic Fangio may be the biggest fan of his out there now. Lloyd needs to continue to progress from where he was last year, but uh, he he likes everything that he's seen so far. Vic and Dalton and Dalton pointed the fact that you know his
1: calls, what he's doing pre-snap. That's an area where Lloyd Cushenberry has grown. We saw some progress from him late last year, but you think back to like the Atlanta game, for example, when you've got some interior rushes that are breaking, that are collapsing the pocket. Look at he split. And part of it was both Drew and Lloyd weren't really on the same page as far as what to expect when the Falcons were bringing the rush from inside. So I think a much more settled presence from Lloyd Cushenberry and a much better job today. I just on first glance through the binoculars was having a solid day on the interior. Although, because again injuries... He's not going up against Mike Purcell. He's not going up against Shelby Harris.
0: Man, yeah, and I saw some plays from outside inside being blown up, as this Broncos defense should do, especially against a backup offensive line. But Mace, when it comes to the running back position – I saw just a complete rotation. I mean, we just see guys rotating, rotating, rotating. Uh, Javante Williams with the first snap. Then you have Mike Boone getting in there. Then you have Royce Freeman getting in there. Then the next series, it's Royce Freeman, Mike Boone, Javante Williams. Boone, Freeman, Will. I mean, it's going back and forth. It's like that's how they plan to to run with this team now. How does it change when Melvin Gordon gets here? Because Melvin Gordon was not here today. There's been two major, I don't know necessarily want to call them holdouts during this offseason, during OTAs, but two major guys that haven't been there, Kyle Fuller and Melvin Gordon. Kyle Fuller showed up today. His first day, he missed the first two weeks of OTAs. He was back today, running with the ones, picked up just like he, he left off with with Vic back in Chicago in 2018. Looked very comfortable out there. He, he did.
1: Had, no issues that I saw from e- him.
0: Exactly. Looked like a vet that's played in Vic's defense for many years, an all-pro, pro bowler. Melvin Gordon, though, not there today. I expect him to be here next week for mandatory minicamp, and I'm going to be interested to see if it's just like Kyle Fuller. He picks up where he left off because it's the same offensive system, or if there's going to be some changes where he needs to integrate himself in. From what we saw today with Kyle Fuller, I would expect he's going to integrate himself in. But Mace, after seeing today... It wasn't like they just had a replacement for Melvin Gordon where it was Javante Williams and let's say Mike Boone just going one two one two one two. It was one, two, three, one two, three, two, three, yeah. two, three, one. It was all over the place. Do you expect to see that? Maybe even four deep during the season?
1: It's a good question, because is there room for all four on the fifty three man roster? I mean, are you trying to have your fourth running back be a practice squad guy? If that's the case, then uh Practice squad r- rules look like they're going to be the same as last year, which means you can put some vets on that practice squad. But that's that's where Royce Freeman might have to factor because of the three backs today. You know, Royce he didn't open auspiciously. He ran into I believe Quinn Bailey on the first play as he as the hole was getting set up. And Javante Williams and Mike Boone both looked much quicker and decisive to the hole than Freeman did out there today.
0: Yeah, and Mace, that's what I think happens. I do think we're going to see a lot more Mike Boone this year than people expect. He looked good today. Yes, he he did. Now, a lot more doesn't necessarily mean 33% Mike Boone, but I think we're going to see him play some some on offense this year, both out of the backfield. He caught a couple of passes today and as a runner. uh, And he's a guy that I think they can rely on in, in pass protection, which is key to see the field. But I think Royce Freeman's going to end up being the odd man out here, and you're going to have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Uh, and I just I find it very interesting that right now it's you know an even dose of those three right now, not giving the job to the rookie.
1: Yeah, I I like Javante Williams how they're using him as well. They actually had him fielding punts today. Now Mm -hmm. an opening there because KJ Hamler, yeah, the hamstring supposedly it's minor, but he was out there on the side field today doing rehab work.
0: And that's where we left last week was KJ yeah. telling us that his hamstring's, quote, fine, he's good. But for a second week in a row, Mace, he he was not a practicing.
1: Yeah, and obviously you don't need him right now. It's OTAs, I get it. But just given what his 2020 looked like, the hammy injury at the Combine, multiple hamstring problems as you got him in for training camp and the regular season, I've got to see him... Get through a long period of heavy activity without it flaring up before I'm going to be really feeling good about where he stands and how reliable a component he's going to be in this offense. So, but that that gave some other opportunities. Like I said, Javante Williams, who was fielding punts, and Max Duffy was doing all the punting today.
0: <laughs> why of, don't Why don't we just get into a the, a to the punting coverage? A lot of that placement you want to. punting,
1: and I'm just going to say that. Uh, Max Duffy working on his placement left and right. Uh, every hang time that I have was at least 4.24 seconds. Keeps the ball up in the air, places it well. And also puts a little bit, a, a little bit of a funky spin on it, which I think was why Javante Williams had trouble fielding the punt. Obviously, he's got to gain some experience there as well. But, yeah, that's, that is our punting segment here on the DMVR Broncos podcast. That's uh,
0: just what we were looking for, Mace. Max Duffy looking good, 28-year-old rookie. And people thought Garrett Bowles was an old rookie in 2017. Yeah, for real. Like you said, Mace, oh Garrett gosh. Bowles not there today. Vic Fangio does expect him to yeah. be back next week, said he's dealing with some family issues. So not a big concern there. All right, Mace, what were some other takeaways – I want to get to uh, what the defense looked like because last week we were talking about how Patrick Sertan was on the outside opposite mm-hmm. Ron Darby, and then you had Bryce Callahan in the slot. little different this week with, with Ron Darby not playing this week on the sideline. Kyle Fuller back, though, and you still did see Patrick Sertan as a starting outside cornerback. Yeah, and Bryce Callahan getting all the slot
1: work and then uh, uh, be having Fuller but not having Darby – meant that you had Michael Oje Mudia getting uh, some looks when they went dime as well. Mm-hmm. So kind of clearly that's like you you got an idea of you know where for, of who for of who the fifth one is. It's it's Michael Oje Mudia. The question is who's the fourth one going to be? Now, I would like to see how You think there's a question lo- there? I mean I can you imagine a fourth the fourth cornerback being um be, being Darby or or Fuller,
0: yeah, Darby, yeah,
1: paying him a lot of money to be a four, to be a number four, You that's, are.
0: That's the only thing. So who's making the decision? Is it George Payton making the decision on who's the fourth, or is it Vic Fangio at Donatel making the decision?
1: I think they will have an idea, but there there may be some, con- there, there may be some conversations involved. I think the other thing that we may also see is that we know that they're going to go more sub package and that's something that Vic Fangio has already indicated do i mean do we end up seeing more dime than we have ever seen from this team you should and then you get all you know how with most teams the nickel effectively is the base the nickel is what you use most you're going to go you're going nickel about 50% of the time dime another 15% base another 35% roughly
0: and really quick, Nickel, yeah. we're talking five defensive backs. Dime, Dime, we're talking six, six DBs. Six DBs. So what if,
1: what if Dime becomes the base? Yeah. Any, and then if, if Dime is the base, that means we're not going to see a lot of Mike Purcell because you are only going to see two D, line, two D linemen. And we're presumably still going to see two edges, yep. Vaughn and Chubb, Malik Reed rotating in. Who's
0: your linebacker? going to have one.
1: Alexander Johnson, Josie Kuhl.
0: Yeah, and today we talked to Alexander Johnson. He said, uh, after I asked him, you know, how do you expect the linebacking core to work out? And he said, well, you know, Josie and I are going to be the starters. And maybe on paper they're going to be the starters, Mace, but I don't know how often you're going to see those two guys on the field at the same time. Yeah,
1: and and in in a division where you're going up against Kansas City and Mahomes, the Raiders who like to spread it out, and then – and then the che- the chargers are they're going to they're going to ride the wing of Justin Herbert it you may you may be looking at a scenario between those games and then some others on the schedule like Pittsburgh likes to spread things out as well that you you may be in a situation where we see more dime packages dime personnel groupings than that of any other personnel group on this yeah, team. yeah, and, and then there would be room yep. for Ronald Darby to be the fourth cornerback yep, and, and make and, everybody. And up.
0: then you're talking about Patrick Sertan, who's a first-round pick, top-ten pick. You're talking Bryce Callahan, the best slot corner in the game last year when he was healthy. Uh, Ron Darby, a solid number-two cornerback. Again, when healthy. Kyle Fuller, a solid number-one cornerback. You're talking uh, all-pro safety Justin Simmons, and you're talking Kareem Jackson. Those are guys that you don't want to take any of those guys off. But what's interesting, Mace, and I think it's very interesting that we got to see this in two different ways last week and this week, was there's two guys that I mentioned win healthy. Bryce Callahan, and Ronald Darby, you're crazy, and you're just silly. It's foolish. It's nonsense to think that both of those guys are going to be able to play 17 games this year. So it's good that we're getting a look now of how this defense is going to work and that they're practicing it without intentionally meaning to of how this defense, how this secondary fits together when everyone's not healthy. In a weird way, I kind of like that we're seeing that. And
1: basically what you're just hoping is that Bryce Callahan and Ronald darby are are at the same time.
0: Exactly. You hope that between the two of them, one they of play them, 17 yeah, games. Yeah, if
1: one of them's available every game, and then, of course, you have good health elsewhere, you're fine. I mean, Higher yeah. Learning's actually had an interesting comment on Sertan saying Sertan's going to be covering all the league's best tight ends and big wide receivers. I think that is a legit possibility.
0: Yeah, it that is. Your,
1: your guy on Darren Waller, your, your guy on Travis Kelsey is going to be Pat Sertan.
0: And is that how it should be? Because Mace, what we're seeing now, again, Noah Fant was not there today. I don't expect the Broncos to be showing us, and especially just in this third week of OTAs, to be doing all of their complex coverages right now. But what we've seen is, isn't Patrick Sertan moving around to to all over the field? He's staying just on that right side.
1: True, but we're at an early stage of install.
0: Right, right, right. So. So is that something that you expect to see? Or is it a Justin Sternod, a big linebacker, who's on those guys? Or do you do Justin Simmons on those guys?
1: Good question, and it could be something where they rotate guys. But even when you're kind of shuffling and having a cast of all characters handling that, and especially maybe not against, say, a Donald Parham of the Chargers, the big long guy out of Stetson who had some catches against the Broncos late last year, but Parham isn't nearly on the level, of course, of Waller and Kelsey. Right. So against a Parham, maybe you're saying, okay, it's going to be kind of one guy. If you're going against an elite tight end, and we didn't even mention like they're facing a bad Eagles team, but the Eagles are great at tight end, yeah, with with what they have depth-wise as well, that you're going to have some games where maybe you say this is going to be uh, throw throw everything at this matchup, and then other games where you're facing a tight end that you're not terribly worried about, then you're saying okay, yeah, this is going to be one primarily one guy, and maybe it's a, a linebacker. But if it's Kelsey, I think this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck situation. As it should be. You're you're going to figure out what works. I mean, the key is, if it's not working, don't be afraid to go away from it. Don't get caught like you did back in week one of 2019 when you had Isaac Yadam on Darren Waller, and it took a while to get him off of Darren Waller. That, that That switch should have been made earlier and they doubled down on week 17 by putting Isaac Yadam back on Darren Waller. Yikes. And lo and behold Darren Waller made plays again. Shock.
0: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it seems to uh, safe to say that you weren't a fan of that. No.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> it, well, I'm, I'm, I'm it's always a question of, you know, the the old cliche about uh, insanity being that you repeat the same process and expect a different result
0: yeah i'm glad you said cliche because if you said definition i think ryan would uh storm onto this set and say that is not the definition but you didn't you said uh you said cliche so right on there uh so that, mace, that
1: gets that really gets under his oh it skin, does it?
0: It, it does so if you want to get under his skin uh maybe i'm talking to ali she knows hey, that but hey, uh, hey, that, hey, that's, hey. How, that's how to do it Um uh, mace what were some other takeaways from practice today
1: Ooh. um Tyree Cleveland looked really good today. I thought.
0: Yeah, and and speaking of KJ Hamler not being there, mm-hmm. that's a guy who's really stepping up.
1: Yeah, he he's catching everything right now, and uh, uh, he, he, you start when you get beyond kind of the starters, you start saying, okay, who's making plays? Who who's around the ball? So, I think you look at Tyree Cleveland on the offensive side, and I think you look at Jamar Johnson on the defensive side. One interception off Bridgewater the near interception against Drew Locke that we allude to when Locke tried to fa- try to throw the fastball in there. But the point being is that Jamar Johnson seems to find himself around the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what you expected. That was his strong point was coming coming out of Indiana and we saw it with the two picks that he had off Justin Fields in that game in Columbus last November. It, it's ball skills.
2: Yep. It's
1: being able to read, anticipate and react. And That's something that Jamar Johnson does really well. That's why I'd say right now if you've got him and Caden Stearns and you're saying, okay, which of these two is ahead in terms of a rookie getting playing time based on ball skills, anticipation, Johnson appears to be ahead right
0: now. Yeah, and Vic said, uh, someone asked him a question today, like, you know, you you said he was a ball hawk, and Vic said, well, I don't know if I said he's a ball hawk, but he needs to work on tackling first. And Mace, that's going to be the thing. If he can become a, a tackler that Vic is confident in, Then he's going to see the field, and then you're talking about maybe he's the guy that's stepping onto the field in dime situations. If one guy's hurt, he can step in and get on the field because we we just talked about the issue uh, of how tough it's going to be getting all these playmakers on the field. He's probably going to take a big, big back roll this year, but, man, if he just keeps continuing to improve, that's going to be very good for the Broncos and allow them to move on from Kareem in a year or two.
1: And the thing is, Kareem, of course, is on that one-year deal. Now that Kareem is getting into year 12, you kind of have to, in your mind, think, all right, natural progression means he may miss a game or two over the course of the 17. So Trey Marshall is still there. He's experienced. But I really want to see how much Johnson and Stearns do to kind of close the gap. And if one of them maybe even surpasses Marshall to be the first safety off the bench. John, Because... You, you want both Stearns and Johnson to improve their tackling. Now, Stearns, like that was the thing that kind of jumped out to me watching when I went back and watched him at Texas. He's a willing tackler, but he's not a good fundamental tackler, and he's got to improve that. And by the way, nobody's going to improve their tackling out there right now because you're going 7-on-7, seven seven, Skelly, as Vic Fangio calls it, and you're not tackling to the ground. You're not having a lot of heavy contact. We're not going to get a read on how far – Johnson and Stearns have come as tacklers until we get later in the summer. Right. And that and, and that may tell the tale. Right now, based on what we see, Jamar Johnson looks like he's the better of the two. But again, with no tackling, it's really it's really hazy to gauge right now. You're just you're just judging anticipation, reading the intent of the offense. And Johnson appears to be pretty good at reading a quarter, at reading and diagnosing a quarterback's intent.
0: Yep, exactly. Mace, just a couple of other things right now. Some housekeeping notes. I really liked what I saw from Malik Reed today, and Von Miller. Like you said, Von Miller obviously slowed it down. Malik Reed starting off practice with an interception because he was in great position. He was mm-hmm. right behind Drew, right where he needed to be. He was also having great pressure throughout practice. The
1: old cliche. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity, right? Yeah. It was lucky for Malik Reed, but preparation, in terms of being able to do all the work necessary and prove to where he's going to win that matchup, creates the opportunity when the ball slips out of Locke's hands. Yep. That's that. You know. That's that's what it's all about. What did you think of Austin Fort today?
0: They involved
1: him a lot as well.
0: They they loved him last year, and the Broncos are kind of looking for maybe one more guy in 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 the tight end room to to make a step up there.
1: Yeah. Now Albert he's continuing to work his way back. Yeah, he he looked good when he was an individual. So did Cortland Sutton. But that one thing that has been common to all three practices is trying to involve Austin Fort heavily, and he made some and he made some plays today. Very very reliable. You wonder if he's going to effectively replace Jake Butt, yeah on the roster. Back of the, back of the roster tight end, real good route running and pass catching skills, but has the significant injury concerns. Right. And you're just hoping that he can figure out how to stay healthy, that he can have some better luck there, because when he's out there, you can see he just he just keeps getting open, kind of like Jerry Judy does a real good job finding gaps in-zone coverage. And setting the quarterback up, and then when the QB can can find him, especially Bridgewater, because he's clicked with Austin Ford a few times as well. It set up some good plays the last couple of weeks. Well,
0: and Mace, that was my final takeaway from today. Just a little tidbit was was Albert. O. he looks pretty solid out there. Now he's not doing anything with team, just mm-hmm. like Cortland Sutton's not. They're not doing anything in seven on seven. But I was encouraged the way he was moving today. That would be a huge piece to get back, as we've seen in team and seven on seven. Mm-hmm. Broncos are really trying to use two tight ends and multiple multiple tight end sets more often than I think any of us really expected, which is good. They should do that. Play to your team's strengths. We're seeing flashes of that, and a big reason that to see a flash is if Alberto is back and it looks like he's trending in the right direction for camp, maybe not full-time by camp, but sometime this season.
1: Yeah, and we'll see also more on Eric Salbert who, uh, we'll we'll, who they signed a couple months ago. We'll see more on him when they get into uh, 11-on-11 full pads, but... He looks to be in Simpsons parlance a perfectly cromulent rotational tight end.
0: Cromulent.
1: Yeah. That's all star. No. Reliable. Yeah. Very much so.
0: Yes. Yeah. The- and he'll,
1: he'll be fine. He'll be fine as a depth rotational piece. No worries there.
0: And there you go. We, we hit punter talk. We hit, like, fifth string tight end talk. That means it's time to wrap it up here on the live we portion don't go of deeper, this. Huh? If anyone or whoever's tuning in on YouTube still, please hit us with a like on your way out. Subscribe if you can as well. It really, really helps us out. And then also turn on alerts because sometimes we're doing this right after practice and we don't know exactly when it's going to start, so then you'll know when we're starting to get the latest. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're going to hop over to the podcast side to finish things out so find us anywhere where podcasts are just search broncos we'll be the first one that comes out all right thank you so much for tuning into the podcast side mace let's jump into the questions to the listeners but before we do that you and i both made a stop at our friends over at illegal Pete's this weekend tell me about your experience
1: yeah well first of all what where did you get when you went over?
0: oh man i went i went fish tacos but here's the thing about the fish tacos is you get them baja style like they suggest and then you add a lot of things to it too you can keep adding
1: yeah, exactly. Now, I went straight up for the Baja Fish Burrito. I didn't add anything. Just took it with the fish, a little bit of sauce, the cabbage, a little salsa. And it was amazing. You get a side of chips and salsa. It's a perfect meal. I let, I, I go to the DTC location probably at least once a week.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's my terrific. gosh. It's yeah, and I mean, the one on, on East Colfax yep. by us, they've got a great patio. The one by me on mm-hmm. South Broadway, they've got a great patio. They have great drinks. Their marks are oh, the yeah. absolute best, and great happy hour as well.
1: Exactly. So they're, what all this is saying is that Illegal Pete's is back on board with us at DMVR. We're pumped to have them. You know, the pandemic shut down a lot of restaurants, and Illegal Pete's for a while was one of them. But they've been back in action, and we couldn't be happier to promote them. There's a lot of great things going on at all six legal pizza locations. For example, the sound check promotions ongoing at all locations that offers a free draft beer or house mark with purchase, purchase of an adult entree when the guest shows a same day ticket to any event. So check that out. The Lodo location reopened new spot. It's at Wazi and 16 bigger indoor space, bigger outdoor space. Close to Ball Arena and Coors Field. You can walk to either of them from where they sit at 16th and Wazi. All locations serve breakfast until 1 p.m. Friday through Sunday. And over in Lodo, they're serving breakfast every day. That's breakfast burritos, tacos, bowls, even breakfast quesadillas and nachos. Legal Pete serves chorizo, which is their own proprietary blend. And bacon crumbles as their breakfast meats. You mentioned the Margaritas, Zach. They launched party margs during the pandemic. 32 ounces of their house margarita, which is four times the size of a house mark. They've got happy hour at all locations from three to six, which includes a dollar off drafts, dollar off house and coin style marks, twenty dollars on those party marks, a dollar off large chips and queso, and large chips and guac, and free chips and salsa if you're drinking at the bar. And Legal Pete's, it's great. They mix their burritos before they roll them up, so you get a mixture of ingredients in each bite. You don't have to worry about getting all the meat in one bite and none, the rest of it. They spread them out, and they care about their employees. They pay a living wage to all staff, starting at $15 an hour plus tips, free food and drink off-shift, discount off-duty, 401K match, paid time off to all employees, and much more. Check out Illegal Pete's six locations in the Denver area, including, like we mentioned, You've got the one on East Colfax, you've got the one in Lodo, got the one down in DTC plenty of ways to satisfy that burrito craving for you at illegal pizza
0: also friends you know how much we love you but you've been letting us down lately we said it our longest and most loyal partner to date, Strava Craft Coffee has not been feeling the love lately so we need to change that and Strava Craft Coffee is giving you a new offer to change that in the biggest way possible they're giving you the best code they've ever had DNVR25 will get you 25% off your first purchase over at Strava Craft Coffee. That is them trying to bring you in. And guys, there's no reason not to go over to StravaCraft Coffee because they have delicious CBD coffee. Not only is it great coffee, but the CBD punch that it has helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. It helps relieve. And also, a lot of people say it helps get rid of coffee jitters. So you can have as many cups of coffee as you want without feeling the jitters. Make sure to check them out. And after you use that code DNVR25 to get 25% off, subscribe to them and you'll get 20% off every single order after that over at strava craft coffee and you can have it delivered straight to your door every two four six eight weeks whatever the did the, the amount you want they will deliver it straight to your door so make sure to check them out and use that code dnvr 25 over at strava craft coffee
1: also want to tell you about our friends over at hassle cattle company they've delivered to you damn good beef and it's so damn good that you can get it at the dnvr bar that's right we couldn't resist putting the damn good beef in the bar. You can come on down and build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu Beef Burger at all the toppings you want and enjoy all of our watch parties with the finest beef. I'll say this. I don't think you need many toppings. The beef is that good, that flavorful. Just a slice of onion, a slice of tomato, maybe some lettuce and a little drizzle of ketchup. You're going to be good to go. Hassle Cattle Company is now also offering DMVR listeners a buy three Get one free offer on their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean and very flavorful. They're perfect for carne asada. You should slice them thinly against the grain when carving. you want to marinate, like I said, carne asada. Sit them in a marinade for 24 to 48 hours. Put them on the grill. Oh my goodness, terrific. Ideal choice for that. So check out these flank steaks. They're super affordable, $9.99 each. And you can buy three and get one free by using the code d n v r flank at checkout DNVR FLANK. buy three get one free of course hassle cattle company is the best source for farm to table wagyu beef in the country they're a fourth generation cattle farm out of texas ship all over the usa straight to your door they call their beef the blue collar wagyu because the best damn wagyu that any every man or woman can afford they've got two jerky flavors original and sweet and spicy wagyu franks with no fillers new york strip wagyu smoke, smoked sausage and, of course, beef bacon. Check. So check out HassleCattleCompany.com. H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. And don't forget, I mentioned DNVRFLANK, DNVR Flank for buy three, get one free at checkout on those flank steaks. Don't forget, you want 10% off. Use the magical code DNVR10 for 10% off. And get that order at $200, and you're going to get free shipping on it. Check it out. We promise you won't be disappointed. I know I haven't. HassleCattleCompany.com. All
0: right, Mace. Let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. First one coming in from Bronco and SF. Says, hope the Nuggets are ready for the smoke. <gasps> Who is this? Sons in four. Anyone up for a friendly wager? Explanations of my fandom in nature. Born in Denver, Broncos. Grew up in Arizona, sons. Currently live in San Francisco, Broncos in SF. And we have Melbourne Bronco says, I'll take your sons in four bet. I'm in Australia. What's the bet? And Mark I.T. says, Snatch says, traditionally, a pizza. Yeah, that's how we do it on this pod, a pizza. Pizza bets. Maybe a uh,
1: pizza and beer.
0: I don't mm. know how you do that with uh, Australia and San Francisco, but Ooh. maybe we meet in the middle and everyone comes to the DNVR bar.
1: No, the middle middle would be like Hawaii or Tahiti, right?
0: Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> Although,
1: <laughs> I mean, if we're really talking about it, uh, not, there's nothing halfway, but maybe close to it, um... Now, there's gotta be like a, a good pizza joint in Australia that you can do like a gift card from or something. There's maybe there's gotta be something well, here. Let like us know the, if uh, you
0: guys get that hooked uh, up. But uh Bronco and SF I can't believe you're going up against us like that. Can't wait for this series though. Tonight starting at eight PM. It's
1: gonna be interesting. I, I saw something last night about how DeAndre Ayton had done a pretty decent job when he was matched up. Against Nikola Jokic in the regular season, you wonder if the Suns aren't going to try to do a little bit of that. It's also another matchup where it's a very strong team in the backcourt, although not as you know, not as dynamic as far as just being able to go lights out as uh, as Dame Lillard did. But uh, Devin Booker can do an awful lot in the perimeter as well. This is going to be a this is this is going to be a tougher matchup, I think, for the Nuggets.
0: Give me the Nuggets, and yeah. uh, I don't know, it's not going to be four, but give me the Nuggets in this series. I mean, if you
1: say Nuggets in seven, then you're saying they win game seven on the road.
0: Yeah, very well could do that.
1: Maybe that be... All right, how about
0: Nuggets and Six? There we go. All right. Melbourne Broncos says, Hi, guys. I have to go in an unpopular area regarding Deshaun Watson, but regardless of whatever charges are filed, unfiled, settled before court, et et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if the Aaron Rodgers dream doesn't occur, Deshaun should be the highest priority. Remember, Ray Lewis had a 12 year career after a much more serious charge, and I know it's not a popular discussion point, but. This is the real world, and nothing should be ruled out.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, I despise Ray Lewis for every one of those twelve seasons, and uh,
0: I think a lot of people do.
1: A lot of people did. Um, I, I don't want the Broncos to be that team, if possible. Again, that's why I think I just want to see where everything goes. Let's let let's let this matter be adjudicated before you start talking about Deshaun Watson.
0: You can't make a move now. Yeah, it, it, everything has to become settled or at it, it least you know it, as far settled as we're ever going to see. And Mace, even at that point, some people are going to say, even if Deshaun Watson right. settles things and moves on, you're still going to have a lot of people saying, Broncos cannot bring him in and I would understand that look it wasn't one person that came out against him; there were over 20 women that have come out against him and look at the Broncos team look how it's run there are a lot of women in high power here Mm -hmm. and and not just that women would be the ones against us because of course not but you got to see the way this organization's built
1: right and I would, I mean it should be something where everybody's concerned no matter what absolutely no matter what your gender identity is no matter what, what what sex you are um we're in the era of me too And the dynamic on this and how, like, how acceptable, like not not that it was ever acceptable, but think back 11 years of Ben Roethlisberger and there's an incident and he serves, I believe a six game suspension. Would it, would that have been it? Oh, probably not. The Roethlisberger incident had happened today. Probably not. Right. The times have changed.
0: Yeah. The times have changed. Next one from the great Holio. Oh, yeah. Oh. I am Bronco <laughs> There we go. They beat me for my bunghole. My bunghole, it goes... He says, always love seeing Perna on the show. You guys rocked it this week. Thank you so much. So glad to hear you liked it. The draft was awesome, but you forgot one name. Shamarco Thomas. Such a great name to go undrafted, LOL. On another note, only three more drafts until I'm back in Denver for the first time in four years. So excited to be back, and I will certainly be dropping by the DNVR bar and hopefully catching an Avs or Nuggets game while there. Love the work you guys do, and I really hope that you're catching a Nuggets or an Avs game here because that will make mean that uh well first off i'll get to meet you and then also i don't mean the abs and nuggets are pretty darn far in the playoffs yeah
1: exactly i think he said three more days until he's back in denver so
0: three more uh i i believe it was three more uh, oh three only three more days okay never mind sorry i thought you said three more weeks
1: yeah so three more days and so you figure all right the avs will certainly be playing so he's good
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're good, and the Nuggets will be playing as well. So, man, we have an awesome week here in Denver, specifically at the bar. Every single game, we're going to have a game here. It's going to be the place to be, and I'm telling you guys what, there's no better place to catch a game than at the bar.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you see the videos, and you see the energy. I mean, there, it's, there, there's something special happening here, and uh, I just hope the Broncos come fall Sundays and brunches over here I hope the Broncos hold up their end of the bargain. Oh yeah, on this and, and make this place buzz for good things that they're that they're doing.
0: Buzz in many ways, yes. Yes,
1: hip hip uray. Greetings, gentlemen. As always, great fun on the three ring circus. Great to have friend of the pod Brandon Perna on again. For my comment today, I want to pose a scenario to you, gentlemen. With all the talk about Tim Patrick maybe taking a team friendly deal and having a skill set similar to Sutton, I see the Broncos trading Sutton and getting draft capital in return. The Vikings did this with Stefan Diggs, got a first round pick, and took Justin Jefferson. Both seem to be in a win-win in this scenario, and I could see Peyton doing the same thing. I know Diggs was a problem in the Vikings organization in Cortland is not. In the Broncos organization, but I think the value is too hard to pass up. As a fan, I don't want this to happen, but I do see it as a possible scenario. Go Nuggets, Avalanche, Iceman, and DNVR.
0: I love where your head's coming from, hip-hip-you-ray, because the Broncos have a luxury at wide receiver, and they're not good enough to have a luxury at, at places especially like wide receiver, but... The Broncos aren't trading Cortland Sutton. There is no bigger fan of Cortland Sutton than George Payton. I think number two on the fan list mm-hmm. is Vic Fangio. They, I just don't get the sense that they're going to trade him one bit. They're going to sign him to a long-term contract, whether that's this summer, whether it's next year. He's going to be a Bronco for a long time. But I do like where you're coming from. The Broncos have such a strength at wide receiver. There are some question marks. Cortland Sutton coming back from injury. K.J. Hamler's injury status. But... Man, you got to capitalize instead of just letting Tim walk next year.
1: Aaron Rodgers matters in this too, and I know I can almost hear the eyes of some rolling. The fact that it does come back to Aaron Rodgers. Definitely. How so? Well, he matters in this in that if you bring him in, somehow some way, the thing that you're not going to do is undercut the receiving core. You're going to you're you're going to make sure it's as good as possible. I would actually say that if the Broncos trade for Rogers in the next three to four years, we will see big contract for Cortland Sutton to go beyond receiver or tight end, big contract for Noah Fant, and then when the time comes... Jerry Judy gets his deal, too.
0: That's probably how it should be with or without Aaron Rodgers because something else, you're not going to strip right. the receiving core and make Aaron Rodgers just as upset as he was in Green Bay, but he should also be able to take a guy like Tim Patrick or Tyree Cleveland and make him a serviceable three or four if they need to be. And obviously, Tim Patrick's already there, but you don't need to give Aaron Rodgers three first-round picks because right. if you already have Cortland Sutton, a pro bowler, Jerry Judy, a first-round pick, I mean, and Noah Fant, a first-round pick, I mean, you don't need to give him even more.
1: You're literally but what you're literally saying is you're kind of doing what Tampa Bay did. Now, the difference is, uh, I would say that that uh, Denver, well, actually it's not different. Denver, Denver has a lot on hand, just like Tampa Bay had a lot on hand. Could the Broncos supplement that? Yes, but they may not have to based on what the um, on what they've got in the pipeline right now. Yeah. They may not have to do what the Bucks did and bring in Rob Gronkowski, right? It's possible that Albert O, once he comes back from injury, may be able to fill that role and then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, we're we're good. Don't need to go get the, the extra guy here. We're set. Even though that being said, I would if the Broncos got Aaron Rodgers, I would never rule that rule them out of finding a way to get Devontae Adams to.
0: Oh man. Because
1: we know how Devontae Adams feels about Aaron Rodgers.
0: And we probably know <laughs> that it's not going to be Devontae Adams, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah fan oh, not my not God. not not all the we, I mean you have to imagine that one of those guys is moving in that deal. Holy cow.
1: If you have, okay, just let's dream for a second. It's insane. Let's dream for a second about Sutton, Adams, Judy, and Fant.
0: And I didn't even mention KJ Hamler or Tim and, Patrick and or Albert O. o. or, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon, Pro Bowler, uh, or second round pick Javante okay. Williams.
1: If you had Aaron Rodgers, let's just say Aaron Rodgers throwing to Fant, Judy, Sutton, Adams. If you had those four, this is a real flight of fancy. On our parts here, Peyton Manning's records would be broken, and they would. I'm not saying they'd be broken just because there would be a 17th game. That single season of 2013 would be surpassed.
0: Woo! Make it happen. That's my hot take right now. Make it happen. T.K. Freeze says, My boys, this feels so weird to be on the other side, but I grew up in Arizona, and I'm a huge Suns fan. What is this, Broncos and Suns fans? It's hard. Well, you remember what happens every time the Broncos play the Cardinals, right? Yeah.
1: It's it, it goes back there was you know the Cardinals weren't there till 88. So you had you had that Bronco fandom covering the Rocky Mountain region. You have a lot of people that have moved from Denver to Arizona. It's just it's one of those strong outposts of Broncos country always will be. But they're going to are going to be they're going to be a lot of Broncos/Suns slash Suns fans just like because LA didn't have a team. There are a lot of Broncos slash Lakers fans.
0: Yeah, well, and he talks about the Lakers, he says, after the toxicity of the Lakers series, I'm very excited for a classy series against the Nuggets. Good luck to the Nuggets, my guys. I love Jokic. I've been cheering for the Nuggets for you guys since the Suns have sucked for so long, but we're finally back. Hope you have a great series. I think these teams match up pretty well. Go Suns! You guys don't have to say that. Go Broncos! Go DMVR! And I'll add in there Go Nuggets! I'll say this, one of my favorite uh,
1: college players in North Carolina was Cam Johnson, who's become a really good rotational player for the Suns and he's a good good shooter as well. So I'm rooting for the Nuggets, but if Cam popped uh, popped a twenty point night, it wouldn't bother me.
0: <laughs> Casper comes in with the question, fellas, does Tennessee getting Julio Jones give them the best offensive football? Oh yeah, Ooh. by the way, the Nug- or the Broncos did not get Julio Jones, not a shocker to anyone. But the
1: Packers didn't get Julio exactly. Jones. Exactly. And I think that's the significant thing in the Broncos equation. But um Best offense in football? Ooh, I mean that's tough because you're talking about Tampa Bay. Yeah, no, well. the answer
0: is no because is it
1: a very good offense? Is yeah. it a, is it a top three, top four offense? Depends on their offensive line, which has taken some personnel hits the last couple of years. But they're going. But the Titans are going to be an amazing team to watch.
0: They'll be fun, that's for sure.
1: Are they the favorite in the AFC South right now? I'd have to say that yeah. even with their even now they got Bud Dupree in there, but even with a shaky defense. you got to give them the nod in the AFC South right now as the favorite.
0: Yeah, definitely. And while Ryan Tannehill did have a great season last year, 3,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 106 passer rating, that's where Mm -hmm. it starts when you talk about uh, how good an offense can be. Mm -hmm. And there's other quarterbacks that are above him. So, no, I'm not giving the edge or the nod to Tennessee even being a top-three offense. They will be fun. Mm -hmm. They do have weapons. They can make a lot of noise. But are they the best? No. But
1: good for them for knowing that you know they've they've lost they lost in the wild card round last year at home to Baltimore. They lost in the conference championship game. They've won a division title. They've been working. What is it now? They've 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 got what? Um, is it five straight? Four? Five, is it five or six straight winning seasons now? Something like that? Yeah, they're five putting straight. it together. Okay, good for them for knowing we're close, but we've got to we have to try to do something, even if it may seem audacious, to try to get over the top. I, I like seeing teams do that. The Titans are going for it. Doesn't, doesn't I don't know if they're going to get there, but I like to see the initiative in In going for it. That's what they're
0: doing. Yep, exactly. Windy City Broncos says, I was able to get back to the homeland for the first time since the pandemic. I didn't have time to make it to the DNVR bar, but I do have a couple of strawberry skies to make up for it. Love to hear that. We'll have to see you next time. He says, Now on to the Broncos. When I was thinking about the possibility of Bridgewater as quarterback, I felt like I'm making the same argument I made for Keenum and Flacco. It's a good system for him. Sure, he's mostly been mediocre, but could really have some upside. We can win a Super Bowl with. The good defense and a mediocre quarterback, just like 2015. How is this different?
1: Well, if Bridgewater is average here, that means he's better than Keenum and Flacco were when they were here. Mm-hmm. But yes, there is a there is a limit in terms of uh, the ceiling, and that's why I get that people have PTSD with this after what has been endured over the last few years. That being said. I feel like the Broncos, when they went for these quarterbacks that were bridges or stopgaps, they went for the wrong type of guy. I feel like they should have been going for low-mistake quarterbacks rather than, like Joe Flacco, accuracy was declining, interception rate was a bit too high. Joe Flacco was the wrong type of quarterback at that moment. Case Keenum, the Broncos paid too much for an outlier season. The right type of quarterback would have been, believe it or not, a Bridgewater. Or, if you go back to, say, 2016, 2017, Tyrod Taylor, a guy who Gary Kubiak wanted, tried to get in here in the 15 offseason, which tells you what he thought of Brock Osweiler, doesn't it? Yep. Those are more the right types of quarterbacks because they're low mistake quarterbacks. They're right. not spectacular, but they're low mistake guys who don't put the defense in a bad position very often.
0: And to answer your question, uh, Windy City Bronco, yeah. on how is this different winning a Super Bowl with Teddy instead of Peyton Manning? Well, Peyton Manning brought so many intangibles, and Teddy brings some intangibles, but no one brings as many intangibles as Peyton Manning. Yeah. And. The defense wasn't just great, Mace. It was all-time. I mean, you had an all-time secondary. You had an all-time pass rush. And the defense clicked at the right time, too. They didn't have any injuries. They got very lucky at times. They were so good at turning the ball over in the right scenario. So all of those things would have to line up again, which doesn't happen all that often. But, sure, Maybe there's a path there. It's just, it's just this defense can't be good or great. It has to be unreal and an all-timer for that to happen.
1: And all-timers usually have a bunch <laughs> of Hall of Famers. right? Think about that uh, Bronco defense in 2015. Vaughn, he's in lock. DeMarcus Ware is in lock. Akib Talib is going to be a sneaky good Hall of Fame candidate when his, when his name comes up here yep. in a few years. And I think eventually Akib will be in the Hall of Fame. The Bucs, all-time defense back in '02, 2 one of the great defenses, right? <clears throat> Hall of Famer Warren Sapp, Hall of Famer Derek Brooks, Hall of Famer John Lynch. The Ravens in 2000 had a Hall of Famer in Ray Lewis, had a Hall of Famer in, in Rod Woodson, and just stacked all over that, that defensive side of the ball. You're looking at, there's a reason why these defenses are all-timers. The Broncos, who's the Hall of Famer beyond Von Miller that we know right now
0: that's it right now
1: and that while I expect this to be a very good defense that I think is what keeps this unit from being kind of one of the others Seattle in 2013 Legion of Boom another all-time defense well Sherman's gonna be a Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner's putting together a very good Hall of Fame case um you, you might even be able uh you're probably going to be able to talk about or about Earl Thomas being a Hall of Famer as well Maybe it's the kind of thing where you look at it and say, if you got three halls, Hall of Fame guys on defense, there's a chance to be elite. Right.
0: Three right. Hall
1: of Fame guys in their prime.
0: Mutiny says, no question for you boys today. I just wanted to let you know my boys from Montreal are coming to rain on the parade next round. Ooh. Carey Price is just too good. Go Habs, go. Well, yeah. here's the thing. The Habs the, the have to take care of their own business first. They've got to take care of the Knights. Uh, 0-2 in their past two, Not looking good. But if they can win... Game five, then they'll be in good position because all they'll have to do is win game seven at home. The problem is
1: the Knights are making it their series. They're choking off the Avs. They're neutralizing their speed.
0: Yeah. Um. So the Avs are yeah. done if they're already looking at Montreal. I'll tell right. you that. They it, have to take care of their own business. And I'll say,
1: yeah, Carey Price, I mean, the dude's just standing on his head right now, which, by the way, there's a, a great history behind the phrase standing on his head if you go back and look it up on Google. It's a fun— you know, it, there it's not it's a it's a cliche. There's a good reason why it became a cliche. Oh, All right. Carey Price is starting to look like Jonathan Quick when he led the Kings to a title. Basically, carried the team on his back. That's kind of scary right now. If yeah. you're having to go up against the Habs, it is. He's doing he's doing it by himself, and hey, it's good. It's I, bad. I it's it's good for them. <laughs> I just hope my lightning. Uh, can finish things off against the Hurricanes. That's been a that's been a wild series. Did you see any of that of game 4 on Saturday? No, I did not. Yeah, it was f- the second period, four goals for the Lightning, four for the Hurricanes. The second Whew. period was as wild a 20 minutes of hockey as I've ever seen in the playoffs.
0: Wow. I mean, it sounds like it. It was
1: and it was and and the Hurricanes, to their credit, probably played about a perfect 11 minutes of that. And took a four, and then took a four two lead, and the and the lightning came right back and got it back to five four. I mean, it's just How about that. Well, it, it's a, it's a fun series if you don't care who wins. It's been it's been nervous as hell for me to watch, <laughs> but it's fun. It's 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 been really good hockey. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, there. exciting.
0: Hopefully, the Avs can play better hockey coming yes. up tomorrow. Orange and Blue All Over says, I assume you guys talked about the impact of Julio trade on Rodgers. How about the potential for trading for Matt Ryan? Isn't this a signal Falcons don't plan to compete this year? Unrelated, if you had Derek Carr, would you keep him or trade him for two first and two second round picks to try to land someone who bec- could become a top five quarterback instead?
1: Is it so? What am I getting if I trade Derek Carr in that equation?
0: Uh, you're trading. Uh, Two, you're trading him for two firsts and two seconds. You're acquiring oh, two firsts okay. and two oh, seconds.
1: Oh, okay. Keep him or trade him for two firsts and two seconds. Um. Oh, my bad. Because for some reason, I was thinking, okay, if you had Carr, you trade for Rodgers and give uh, two firsts and two it,
0: seconds. It depend- you, you, to, you, to me, yeah. this all depends on where the first-round picks are. Yeah. I mean, you're not trading Derek Carr right now for two first-round picks. You have no plan for this year.
1: The Well, how, how good do you think Marcus
0: Mariota is? Oh, uh, fine. I mean, a, a great backup, but just a fine quarterback.
1: Okay. Honestly, with Carr, I would actually think about this. But, you know, I mean, I, I, if I, it, it just him, all
0: depends on who you're trading him to. Right.
1: If I could get two firsts and two seconds, I would think about this and say, okay, what ha- whatever happens with Mariota happens. But then that draft capital, uh, it's it's used to move up. And in my mind, I'm thinking Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, someone in that conversation.
0: Sure. I mean, it, unless you end up picking in, you know, the 20s or 30s or something, it's going to be hard to get those guys. But to answer your other question, trading for Matt Ryan, they can't trade him. That it, he yeah. he's in they're in cap situation where they cannot move on from him. So he's going to be a uh, Atlanta Falcon. They traded the contract that they could. Right. Exactly. And that was Julio, not Matt Ryan. Right.
1: Hip hip uray Hey, boys, sorry for the double dip here, but I didn't know where else to say this, and considering this game happened at the Broncos stadium, thought it would be appropriate. Holy cow, that USA-Mexico game was an instant classic. Ric Flair, woo! Hope you guys saw the game Want to know your thoughts. The only negative, I think, was all the projectiles being thrown at the players. Not a good look for Denver. I hope it doesn't negatively impact the city, the stadium, or the chances to host more games. That's all, my dudes. I don't think it's going to impact Denver. I think, obviously... If you know the history of the USA-Mexico series in particular, uh, the projectiles on the field, this is something we've seen before.
0: Yeah, not not a good look. Yeah. Um, there was a good look in the game, though, Mace. You had uh, a Colorado kid making a big-time save.
1: He had multiple big-time saves. Not It wasn't just the uh, the penalty. He had a couple of great saves down the last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. Just I mean, it's it's too bad though that we had the projectiles because that people are going to remember that, and yet between like the drama of the VAR, it was actually a classic USA Mexico game, and a big and even though I know it was technically an exhibition or a friendly a friendly type of tournament, a big game for, for the U.S. because as they're getting ready to go into their World Cup qualifying campaign here in the next few months. Uh, needed needed some results so they could hang their hat on. The last 4 years it's been pretty bleak. You have a lot of young talent, but last night and even against Honduras earlier, you could start to see that young talent beginning to come together. Yeah. So that's our US soccer break for this, but uh, mm. I have <laughs> optimism and hope that our guys are going to be playing in Qatar and before the last week, Zach, I really didn't have that hope. Now I do.
0: Good. There's hope. Hopium is in the air. Mace, yes. I want to get to all these comments. Let's go quick. Maybe the Dingo which your Baby said, who are unsung Broncos from past Super Bowl teams. The guys who were vital to the win that, to the wins that def- define the franchise, but don't get enough credit because of superstars like John O. H. R. Davis and Shannon Sharp.
1: Okay, let's start with Super Bowl fifty. Uh Brandon Marshall, Dan Trevathan. Mm-hmm. Below the radar defensive guys who who played really well. Um,
0: Malik Jackson. Yes,
1: he's a he, Derek Wolfe. You'd have to throw in there as well. Um, what about CJ moving forward CJ Anderson getting a lot back. of tough yards down the down the stretch and in the playoffs and then Super Bowl
0: as well. What about uh, other guys in, in past Super Bowls?
1: Oh, okay. You go back to like the Super Bowl thirty-two and thirty-three. Howard Griffith. I'll tell you a, a story that sums up Howard Griffith. Um, he played for Carolina when they went twelve and four in ninety-six. And the Broncos signed him in free agency. And um, I believe it was Carolina's PR guy, Charlie Dayton, called up uh, uh, Jim Sakamano. And what Charlie told Jim was, quote, you guys just took the heart out of our locker room.
0: Wow. And it was was
1: not not only Howard Griffith, but also Willie Green, a backup receiver, but Griffith in particular, that dude, great blocker, great locker room presence, I th- when I think of unsung heroes on those two teams, he's one of the, the he might be the first guy that comes to mind. Mm. Tyrone Braxton is well in the secondary, another unsung hero of that team. John Mobley was a great player uh, back for those teams as well.
0: Yeah yeah those are some good names there mace mark it snatch hey guys let's switch over and head to the afc south it's tough to find that one guy on the team that's only existed for 20 years but have the houston texans had that one friggin guy you didn't like but would have looked great to have on your team you did mention jj watt with the cardinals see i love jj watt yeah me too so he doesn't fit that um it's a guy
1: i hated on the texans
0: I'll tell you what. When uh, Kareem Jackson played on Texans and blew up Philip Lindsay, I know a lot of Broncos fans didn't like him, but we're very happy to have him when he came to the Broncos. You know, this—that's so a Broncos angle one.
1: There, there's a guy that I think uh, Broncos, the Broncos hated for a time, uh, DJ Swearinger. Oh yeah, and he's a guy who's bounced around, but uh, you know, he's he he brings some thump back. A few years ago, I hated him, but I would have loved to have had that kind of oomph
0: love it Fangio i mean we, we both talked about some oomph guys broncos only do you guys expect the nfl to stick with the 17 game regular season for a long time it's a ridiculous number the cicadas emerge from hibernation every 17 years because it's a ridiculous number so no predators have learned to expect it broncos only that's
1: hilarious <laughs> um we're gonna see 18 games i believe it's not a matter of if but when but the question is does it happen in
0: this cba Mm, maybe maybe it happens right at the end of it. Yeah. And that's something they negotiate in. So
1: I think we're going to see 17 for a few years here. But long-term, I wouldn't get used to it.
0: And then two preseason games, boom, you're still sticking with 20.
1: The question is, do they start the regular season earlier or do they make it even later and kick the Super Bowl another week later? They'll
0: probably do that. Just own February 2. It's going to be fun of those Winter Olympic years. (laughs) Seriously.
1: Orange and blue all over. New podcast opening. My boys, welcome to the DMVR Broncos podcast season five of is the offense bad or defense just that good A recurring annual training camp story?
0: Appreciate you. (laughs) Oh man, I hope not. I hope the offense wins a little more this year, but maybe Mm, not. Today it was a lot of defense. A lot
1: of defense today. And finally, Count Locula, who already has the quote of the year about five months and uh, seven days into the year, from Zach
0: Stevens, quote, Drew is not going to out Teddy Teddy. By being Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to say. I'm glad you enjoyed account, and this was a very fun podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And before we get out of here, gotta tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, one more time, because MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs and some of our very own have taken classes over at MSU Denver and they say that MSU Denver does a great job bringing the real world into the classroom and then also preparing you for what you need to know so when you graduate you have all the tools you need to hit the ground running so make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver online but Mace this will do it today thank you guys so much for rolling with us I love breaking down practice love hearing from you guys Mace thank you so much for rolling with me today we'll be back with you on the DNVR Bronco podcast tomorrow have a fantastic start to your week
2: A flying cotton would stick to you.